Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzuti. Every week we will explore such topics as ghosts, demons, poltergeist, haunted history, time shifts, cryptozoology, and other aspects of the paranormal through listener-submitted accounts, documentary studies, and interviews with the investigators that dedicate their lives to searching for proof of the unknown. So get a fresh cup of coffee, dim the lights, relax, and get ready for a short visit to the realm of the true paranormal. Hey guys, Leo Rizzuti here. Welcome to another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. It is very evident if you look outside that winter has officially hit us here in the northeast part of Ohio. I think uh, going to work yesterday, the high was 11. (laughs) When you start getting into a situation where the high is single digits, then you know you're probably um you're probably not going to see springtime for at least a couple more months. So the good news is is that it's really great for preparations for making maple syrup. Uh, my opinion with maple syrup, which as you guys probably, if you're a longtime fan of the show, know is a hobby slash other occupation of mine. Um, is that the colder it gets during the winter time, the sweeter the syrup is when you make it in the late winter and early spring. Um, but the downside is it's it's freaking cold, and our car doesn't have really effective heat in it, so the one-hour drive to work is not exactly happy, happy, fun time. But I guess it could be worse. I have a friend of mine that lives in the Madison, Wisconsin area, and I was looking at his Facebook profile, and he posted a picture of the weather report, and his highs in his town are going to be in the negative digits for the next few days. So it could always be worse somewhere else. I just wish the white stuff would go ahead and go away so I can get into making maple syrup, and uh, it can start warming up a little bit because my legs are already ghostly white to begin with. I need to start wearing shorts and get some color on them before people think that I'm a vampire or something. But at any rate, you guys did not tune in to hear me ramble on about maple syrup and cold weather. You guys came to listen to paranormal stuff. And this week we have a tremendous guest on our show, a gentleman named, and I want to make sure I get this right, Ed Janowski. And um, Ed is a, uh, he's a truck driver and his paranormal group that he runs is appropriately called Over the Road Paranormal. And he has not only a unique style of investigating because of his career, but he is possibly the most unique, unique individual that I have ever interviewed in my life. I gotta say, he has such an interesting background. Ed has, uh, he grew up in this Catskills in New York, and then he went to Iowa for a while, and then he apparently went to work for some carnivals, and uh, he has gypsy family members, and it's just a neat story, and you'll hear about all that from Ed himself. He does a much better job of portraying his history than I do. But at any rate, definitely one of the more interesting and entertaining interviews that I've ever sat down and done in my life. He also has a lot of experiences with things ranging from, obviously, the paranormal, poltergeist. He had a very unique experience as a child that I can't even begin to explain. 
but he has a very unique worldview. He has uh, definitely a one-of-a-kind philosophy towards hauntings, which is always fun to chat with somebody like that because it's a lot of times as weird as this sounds in the world of the paranormal, we hear the same theories over and over and over again. And it's nice to hear something a little different every once in a while. Uh, that's not to disparage anybody who has any of the classic theories or anything, but definitely variety is the spice of life when it comes to this field. So at any rate, I'm going to stop rambling. I'm just going to let you guys listen to the interview. It was a great time that we had, and I hope that you guys enjoy it at least half as much as I did because I was rolling at one point. So without any further ado, here you guys go. Ed Janowski and OTR Paranormal. Hey guys, uh, this week we are joined by my very special guest, Mr. Ed Janowski. Did I pronounce that correct, Ed? Yes, you did. You did a great job on that. Not right, too well, many my days last thing not too many days. <laughs> There you go. And, and Ed um, is the founder of uh, OTR Paranormal, which is a very, to say unique, paranormal group is to really give it a disservice. Uh, it is definitely the only kind of uh, paranormal group that of its type that I've heard of. He has a very unique background and a lot of great experiences. And I thought it'd be nice just to have a chat with him and, and get him on the show and let you guys enjoy some of his stories. So how are you doing today, Ed? Oh, not too bad. I mean, we, we had some nasty weather we had to drive through today. But uh, all in all, it was, it was a pretty good day. So I'm feeling good. Awesome. Awesome. And for uh, folks that might not know the lingo, what does OTR stand for? Over the road. Over the road. So uh, you are a trucker. I'm, yes, I'm an over-the-road truck driver. And uh, I've, I've done this since I was like about 16 years old. So I was like out 40 years over the road all across the country. Wow. I know that carries with it a unique set of challenges when you're trying to do uh, paranormal exploration, things like that. And you've been, you've been on the road since you were 16. Wow, that's a, that's a really long time. Well, I haven't done it strictly since I was 16. I, my, my first, the first time I ever drove a truck and got paid for it, I was 16 years old. But I've done other things. I've been in, I was, I, uh, been in the Army National Guard. I was in the Air Force. Um, spent a few years on the carnival and in the circus. And just traveling around the country being a gypsy in, in a variety of different ways. Well, I, I didn't know that. And that is uh, possibly the most unique. You might be the most unique person I've ever met. I, I mean, everybody's unique <laughs> in their own special way. But that's, dude, that's, that's an incredible background that you have. Well, I've had so, a lot of people tell me I should write a book. and I've, But uh, I've never quite figured out how to sit down and get the whole thing started. Well, I, I don't think that would be a bad idea. Anybody with your kind of background, I think you've got you've got more than your share of stories. Uh, I, I've got some I've got some very colorful ones, but uh, I, I don't think I can share them with your with your audience. But <laughs> <laughs> so so how did how did you you know how did you get into the paranormal? Did you have any early experiences, or uh, was this just something you kind of fell into? Tell me a little bit about about your background uh when it comes to the paranormal um well i i've been i've been surrounded by paranormal activity my entire life um my uh great grandmother who uh emigrated over from from poland um was actually a witch and uh in jersey city in her in, the, in her basement apartment 
she used to uh, dip wax to help people with their with their health problems. And uh, so I, I remember I remember her from my early childhood. And then uh, when I when I was very young, we lived in upstate New York. My very first solo uh, paranormal experience, which I've never found anything that compares to it, and I haven't found anybody else report anything similar to it. But uh, you're familiar with uh, the old cartoon uh, lightning bolts that look like two Zs stuck together. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, well, in the farmhouse that we lived in, there was a sweet pea field that we could see through the back window if we come down the landing from the second floor to the to the kitchen. And uh, one night we had a particularly violent storm, and the next morning I looked out that window into the pea field, and I remember seeing um, thousands of these lightning bolt shapes stuck in the ground in the in the sweet pea field, and uh, that memory has stuck with me since I, you know, I was very young and I've never been able to find anything to explain it, anything to come close to it or, or compare to it. Wow. Were they made out of metal or were they rock? What, what were they made out of? Do you remember that? I, um, you know, I, I couldn't say because I didn't go out of the house. I just looked through the window and saw them out there in, in the field. Um, I just remember that they were, they were that, that lightning bolt shape I, and they were uh, all kind of a glowing red color. Oh, Okay, that um, I've never, I've never heard of anything even remotely like that. That's you. What do you think was the and cause of that? You think that was um, uh, I've been trying to wrap my head around it for fifty six years, and I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> well, not quite that long, fifty years. So, because uh, I was probably only about six years old when it happened. Mm-hmm. How how big were they? Do you remember? Um. Well, the the the, uh, the sweet pea plants were only probably let me see. At that time, I was probably maybe about three feet tall. So, um, I would guess from the distance that I was looking at them, they weren't any more than three feet tall. Okay, so they weren't <laughs> giant, but they were certainly large enough that you know, if one had hit somebody, you would know it for sure. Right, right. And I don't know. I don't know how substantial they were. I don't know whether they were. They were physically there, or if it was just it was like um, a, a manifestation of some kind. Uh, right. I, I just I just remember you know childhood stories about you know being in the Catskills about you know the ancient magic and everything else up in the, in those mountains. So I kind of you know associated it with that, but I still haven't found anything to explain it. Right, and and I and I know I've I've heard some stories about things going on in the Catskills and there, there is some weird stuff that goes on up there. So yeah, I'm wondering if it's some kind of earth manifestation, earth energy, something like that. Maybe it could be, it could be, it could be elemental, uh, elemental energy of some sort. Um, like I say, it's, it's, I have never been able to find an answer or even a clue to finding an answer on it. So it's just one of those great mysteries of my life right now. Yeah. That's one of those that'll, you know, that, that would keep me going for, Quite a while, as far as uh, anytime I, anytime I thought I ran out of something to investigate. Well, let's go back to the very first thing. <laughs> right, right. So, if any of your listeners have experienced something similar, uh, you know, please have them get a hold of me, and, and we can talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely, and we and we have a lot of listeners, and they have we got a lot of folks who have experienced some strange things. And yeah, you guys, if if you guys have experienced anything like that, or if you know of 
what it could be, please. We'll, we'll put Ed's contact information in our show notes. You guys get hold of Ed and let him know and let me know because that's, um, like I say, it's not very often that I hear something and I'm like, oh, I've never heard of that before, but this <laughs> is one of those cases. It's, yeah. it's just bizarre. Yeah, and I've been looking for an answer, you know, my whole life for it. So it's, you know, if anybody even has an inkling of a clue, it would be greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so from that experience as a child, um, in, into adulthood, you, you just, uh, from that going on, did you continue to expand your, your knowledge base on it or how did you get into doing investigations, things like that? Um, well, through the majority of my life, I just, I just kept having experiences you know, happening, um, either, you know, uh, like precognitive visions, um, you know, which kind of got me interested in uh, exploring psychic phenomena. Um, I grew up in a, in a house, well, the, the last house I lived in with my siblings, uh, it was, uh, we had a little bit of a poltergeist running around there. At least three of us remember one, one of us remembers two. So it's like we either had one or two poltergeists living in, in a particular house with us. And then uh, uh, not too far from... The, the small town in Iowa where I grew up, they had a reporting of a Bigfoot south of us, and we were going to, you know, me and a friend of mine, we were going to mount a big expedition and go find that. And uh, what that never that never manifested because you know they don't let twelve uh, year olds drive. But, no, not not. <laughs> uh, and uh, and of course, uh, you know, and 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 I've um, had several UFO sightings, so it's like. You know, I've always had something happening that keeps my uh, keeps the gears turning in my head to want want to know what's going on and you know where are the answers. Right. Well, and, and the great thing about being a truck driver is I, I know I've got a lot of friends who are uh, OTR drivers, and they um they always have the wildest stories of just because you're on the road at times where most people aren't around, you're going to places that most people aren't there and you, you just see stuff. I mean, you're everywhere. Uh, so I, that to me, that, that profession lends itself towards having more questions than answers a lot of times for, for things that you run into. Oh, certainly. And, and, and we actually, you know, and because we're, you know, we live on the road and we're always on the go. We're always going past places that, uh, we've never been before, you know, I mean, you can go up and down a road a thousand times, but it's still, there's going to be something that's going to be different, you know, and, you know, hopefully you're aware enough to catch it. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned, you mentioned growing up that you lived in a house with poltergeist activity. Are there any episodes that you remember specifically about that? Anything that stands out? Uh, I, I did not have that experience. I had some haunting activity in homes that I was around my, my relatives' homes growing up, but I never actually lived in a home with anything going on. Or do you have anything funky that stands out? Yeah, we had we actually we had uh, we had several things that happened, um, and I even at a young age I worked very hard to debunk them. Um, uh, two instances that I can remember right off the top of my head um, down in our uh, we it was a it was actually a two story house with a full basement underneath it. Um, and it wasn't really that old of a house, which, which, which made it kind of, uh, an unusual circumstance. But, uh, one time in the, we had a formal dining room and, um, there was, uh, we had the, 
dishes were all set up for dinner. And, and uh, one of the glasses, one of the water glasses on the table started sliding across the table by itself. And, uh, of course, we had played the trick before. You know, all kids do when it's hot out. You put a, a glass of ice water on a table. The sweat causes the air bubble underneath it to, to cause the glass to scoop. So immediately, that's my first thought is what that was. So I picked up the glass. I wiped the bottom, wiped the table, and set the glass back down. And again, it moved another six, eight inches across the table. And there was there, there should have been too much friction for the glass to move on its own. So we had that experience, which, you know, we tried very hard to debunk. We did everything we could. to. Now, to the glass. Uh, the glass was full of water. Okay, so it, well, that's what I was going to ask was if the glass was full or if it was an empty yeah. glass. But it, it sounded like when you were telling your story that it was a full glass. I just wanted to confirm that. Yeah, yeah it was a full glass of water. And uh, that's why we originally thought it was the, the, the condensation off of the glass, off of the water, mm -hmm. um, forming that, that air pocket that will form underneath, you know, because you know how they're, they're concave on the bottom. Right. And it, the, the condensation will move underneath the lip and that air bubble will cause – you know, glasses and, and dishes to move across furniture. Um, so that's why as soon as it, after it did it the first time, we wiped everything down to make sure everything was dry and, you know, tried to move the glass on our own, it wouldn't move. And then all of a sudden by itself, it just moved another eight inches across the table. Wow. All this happened right in front of you, obviously. It's right in front of, right in front of uh, me, my brother and my sister, the oldest of my three sisters. That's it. That's absolutely incredible. How how old were yeah. you guys at the time? Uh, I was probably, um, I would say I was probably about eleven or twelve. Uh, mm -hmm. My my brother is a year younger than I am, and uh, that particular sister is three years younger than I am. So we were okay. like, we oh. ranged from like from nine to eleven, nine to twelve. Hmm. Do you have any theories about that? I mean, do you do you consider that a do you consider poltergeist a haunting or do you consider that more of telepathy type thing? Um, well, actually, I, uh, because I, I know there's, there's, there's split theories about that, about poltergeist right. activity. I actually, I, well, with poltergeist activity itself, um, it kind of depends on exactly what's going on. I, there's, um, I park in, in both schools of thought, um, Sometimes mm -hmm. it's true spiritual. It's true spiritual movement. It's a lost soul trying to, to either play or, or get attention. And then also, right. uh, on the other extreme, you can have somebody who is who is uh, psychokinetic, and they may not even realize it. Right. Thank you. Psychokinetic. Yes, that was the word I was trying to think of, and for whatever reason, <laughs> I couldn't think of the word psychokinetic. So, um, in that instance, and I'm the old man did here. you guys What's have going activity on with going on? Uh, we, had other, we had other activity going on, too. Um, another instance that I remember is my brother and I, we shared a bedroom. And um, I, I always had really good night vision. Um, and uh, it, it was late at night. And I'm um, watching my brother. And, uh, we're, you know, we're chatting back and forth. And, you know, being typical young boys raising cane. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, mm -hmm. He, uh, he all of a sudden says, uh, Thomas just pulled the blanket off of me. And you know, I, for, I, I couldn't see clearly what, what had happened, but 
you know, I had no reason to, to call my brother a liar. And the next thing I know, um, this little 12 by 12 pillow came flying and hit me in the face. And normally I would have, I would have, uh, assumed it was my brother, but the direction was toward the direction the pillow came was towards my feet and my brother and his bed was off to my left side. So it was like, unless he grew really long arms and could throw a really good curve, somebody else tossed that pillow. <laughs> right. 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 Th that's <laughs> so, so what, what did, what did you end up concluding with that? Do you, do you consider it was, was that a haunting or do you think that you, uh, you or one of your siblings might've been subconsciously causing that, all that activity? Uh, I, I, that particular house, I, 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 I figure it was haunted because there was still activity going on in the house after we moved out. It mm -hmm. wasn't until the uh, the new owners tore the second floor off and put a new roof on it that the, that the activity actually stopped in the house. That's that's interesting that it that it would stop after after they did that. Um, yeah, it, it something with the second floor. I don't know what it was, but. When they removed the second floor of the house and, and replaced it with a, they just turned it into a single story house with a roof. Um, the activity stopped. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, it was. It was so in, very interesting. And, and you said, you know, you, you grew up in Iowa, or you, or you were in mm -hmm. Iowa at that time. Um, did uh, and you, you said you guys had Bigfoot sightings. Which I've got a buddy of mine who's from Iowa, and she's got probably 30 or 40 Bigfoot stories. I mean, I, I don't know if, if the listeners know, and, and the Bigfoot, Bigfoot is um, one of the subjects I have been obsessed with for a very, very long time. And I've been meaning to get some folks on the show that actually have, have experiences and um, know what they're talking about with it. Um, right. And uh, I, I'd love to hear about some of your book, Bigfoot stories. Um, I know that, that that's kind of your current focus right now really heavily is, is Bigfoot. Is that correct? Um, well, it, it's not my biggest focus. I mean, it's, it's a really big desire. I would like, you know, because I've seen a lot of people um, having uh, uh, YouTube videos and discussions and, and they're talking about Bigfoot sightings and whatnot like that. And, uh, and there's been so many people that claim that they have collected uh, hair and, and droppings and, and stuff like that. It's like, I would really, really love to get my hands on, on some of that evidence and, and see the analysis that, that supposedly been done on it. Um, and, and sadly, all too often, the people that I've approached, they always, it for some reason, it always comes up missing. And it's like, well, you know, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, you make this yeah. big, you make this big production about have you you have this evidence and you 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 open it up for anybody to see, but when somebody wants to see it, it's not there, and which is very frustrating because um, I think there's something um, behind it, whether it's uh, a gigantic with uh, the giant ape theory that they've got, yeah, the or or yeah, something uh, else. I think it's called gigantic. Gigantic, yes, yeah. There we go. Uh, my tongue gets a little wrapped up around that word. <laughs> um, that's that's always been my theory is that it's it's uh, Bigfoot is Gigantopithecus, and because we lived concurrently with Gigantopithecus for thousands of years, and there's really no reason that it would have gone extinct. No, there's absolutely no reason why it would have gone extinct. I mean, all the uh, 
the vegetation that it would have survived on still exists today. So the only thing that would have really attributed to extinction is lack of breeding. And uh, with the amount of sightings that are recorded, uh, factual or otherwise, just the amount of sightings that, that are recorded every year, obviously says that there's something going on there. There's, there's, there has to be a breeding population of some kind, somewhere. Somebody tossed out the theory one time where they think that uh, Bigfoot is a, uh, a phase-shifting creature, and it's like, well, I suppose that's possible. <laughs> but Yeah, I've, you know, I've, you'd, I've you'd heard have, that. You'd have to show me the mathematics on that one in order to get me to buy it. Exactly. I'm, I never, you know, my mindset is I'm never going to poo-poo somebody's theories uh, because, number one, we don't have really a whole lot of answers, but then also... You know, I, I'm not going to ridicule them because they put a lot of thought behind it and they've got the guts to come out and say that this is what they believe. But right. phase shifting and Bigfoot being uh, an alien and things like that, that to me is a lot less likely than it just is uh, a, what we would call a living fossil. That it's, a, it's an animal that's supposed to be extinct that just isn't. You know, right. Yeah, the, the, the whole phase shifting thing, that's reaching a little bit farther into science fiction than, than you know, scientifically feasible. Um, right. That being said, I've got a friend of mine, MP, who does uh, a bit every once in a while for us on the show called The Mystery Press. And he's, he has actually seen phase shifting going on with cryptids. Uh, he's witnessed it in front of him. So. And, and I'd love to talk to him about about that aspect. I've never even thought about talking to him about that aspect of Bigfoot. So he would be one that I would never say, well, that doesn't make any sense because he's, he's, he says he's witnessed it. Right. But Occam's razor to me comes into play. It's like, OK, which which one are you going to which one are you going to side on if you have to side on a theory one way or the other? And I just happen to fall right. on the, the more naturalist side of it. Right. Right. Um, I, with the with the whole the phase shifting thing is like did it actually occur is that what you think so it's it's, a, it's an interpretation is where it comes on me i mean the, the way that, i i'm i'm the world's biggest skeptic with everything it's like i never accept anything at face value um which is another thing that drives me to to investigate everything that i can like with the the phase shifting thing is like is it something did you interpret it as phase shifting or did something else possibly happen that made you think that it was phase shifting exactly exactly and, and, and unless you have full access to everything that's being that you're witnessing you you a lot of times like you say it's open to interpretation you don't necessarily know yeah, exactly that, what yeah and then it just it falls into the realm of theory which is pretty much everything that we're working on is theory because we don't have any hard yep. evidence yet exactly exactly so how did you uh, how did you form your team? Because I, I know being a being a trucker, you don't exactly have a whole lot of time in one location to sit here and say, okay, we're, I'm going to find this person and this person and this person in my area, and I'm going to spend months and months with them, uh, and we're going to develop good relationships, and we're going to to check out local areas to us first, and then branch out, which is how most teams form. How did how did you guys come together? Well. Um I got to give a lot of credit to, to the formation of my team because uh, it probably wouldn't have happened if ghost hunters and ghost adventures never would have got on the air. Um, 
because that inspired a lot of people to think outside of the realm of just, you know, forming a team and going. Um, but as you said, as, as a truck driver, it's hard. I, I applied to uh, a lot of different teams, um, uh, especially the last uh, 17 years that I've lived in Florida. And because of my, my career, um, I'm not really attractive as a candidate for uh, a paranormal team because I cannot, I don't have the accessibility or the availability to be part of another team to go out and, you know, consistently work with them and develop a relationship with them. So uh, after, you know, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures kind of like got everybody all excited about the idea of going out and doing this. And of course now YouTube is just polluted with videos. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I just kind of, I, I just kind of decided on my, my, now that, you know, I, I'm getting up there in years, I've decided that, uh, it's time to actually start pursuing a passion of mine. And, uh, so I decided to, to form a team that could work with, you know, could work with my schedule and, uh, you know, people that I could get along with people that I knew and I could trust. And, um, uh, Mostly, mostly what happens is, is, uh, as I travel around, I try to hook up with other teams like, um, uh, cops out of Oklahoma or, uh, paranormal society of middle Georgia and try to get in with them and just tag along. Like I, I did a tag along with, uh, uh, peace river ghost trackers out of, uh, Punta Gorda, Florida. And, you know, I just, I tag along with them, collect some evidence, review it, and then to hand it off to my team and have them analyze it. And then, you know, we all compare our, our analysis with each other. And, uh, now I've gotten, uh, one, two, three, four, four. I've got, uh, you know, four people that I can count on as regular team members. So when I get home, if we want to go out and do an investigation, we can. Awesome. So you have, you have your home team, but then, like you said, you you traveling around, so it gives you a great opportunity to work with other teams. Your your home team. Do you have somebody that like coordinates where where you guys are going to be investigating when you're home, or do you handle all that yourself, or how do, how do you? What's the logistics behind that? Uh, we're still we're still kind of putting that together. It's you know the team is still basically pretty new. Um, I'm handling most of all the details while everybody else is still kind of figuring out exactly you know where they're going to fit and everything. Um, like, uh, right now, um, Lori, um, she's my, uh, she's basically my office management. She kind of handles all the, uh, all the record keeping details that I need. Um, her work schedule doesn't allow her to, to investigate all that much, but you know, she's always, she always has a spot whenever we're available. Um, Christine, she's my true believer of the group. Um. She, she does a lot of serious, serious analysis work for me. And, uh, and like I say, she's a true believer. So she's the excitable one on the investigation. So when something happens, you know, she gets, she wants to find the answer. She wants more, you know, she's never satisfied with just one thing. She wants more things to happen along the way. Uh, right. Jenna or Jennifer is my, uh, she's, I call her my spiritualist investigator. She's actually uh, a semi semi established investigator of her own right, and um, she has uh, a few psychic gifts. And uh, so she's like a case study for me on on my own because that gives me a chance to study psychic phenomena 
because um, what I do with her is I'll, I'll take her out to, uh, to an area that I want to investigate. And uh, separate from the team, I don't give her any information about where we're going, what we're doing, what's happened there or anything like that. And then I just record what she picks up on. And then uh, after the team does the actual investigation, we compare notes to see how accurate her gifts are to what we're picking up. So she she's kind of like uh, Amy from the Dead Files, right? That's that's uh, that's have, neat uh, that you're that you're using that as a, a secondary line of investigation. Hey, we're not just investigating the hauntings, but we're also using this as an opportunity to see about a psychic uh, phenomenon and and how accurate that is. Right, and 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 one and one uh, you know one correlates with the other. It you know it backs up the other one. Now, if she comes up with something, she comes up with a name, and then if we record a name in an EVP, it's like there we've got a match. So you know we've got one that's that's backing up the other, that's backing up the personal experience. So it's like everything is backing everything else up. We're we're uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you're you're, val- <laughs> you're we're validating our experiences. Yep, absolutely. And Freya, who is my who's the youngest member of my team. And uh, mm-hmm. she's my she's my stuntman daredevil. She she picks up the things that I used to be able to do, so she does them now. Um, right. But she's a, she's a drone pilot. She's scuba certified, and uh, you know, and she's definitely a daredevil. Um, she's you know she she's in it more for the thrill, I think, than, any, than anything else. So. <laughs> right. So and then of course then I've got she's our, our mascot, Boo Thing. And what what is that? Uh, Boo Thang is a is a is a Halloween ghost that is uh, learning how to be our mascot and uh, comic relief and uh, child advocate. So if we have if we have a situation where we need to talk to a child, I, I've been learning ventriloquism for a little while now. So Boo Thang is going to come in and he's actually going to or he or she whichever it is we haven't figured out what yet. But Boo Thang is going to come in and talk to the kids and, and put them at ease with any kind of weird stuff that we might be doing. So you're talking about like the puppet. Yeah, it's a puppet. It's a puppet. It's, it's a, it's a little, it's a little Halloween decoration that eventually is going to, uh, it's it's eventually going to become a uh, ventriloquist dummy. Now, I, I, I know you didn't know this coming into this interview, but there, there's only one thing on this earth that kind of creeps me out. And that's, that's that's ventriloquist dummies. Uh, and this one's a ghost, I, I, so that's I, really going to creep you out. <laughs> yeah, that, I just, ooh, yeah. I, mm. If it works for you, man, that's all that matters, as long as it works for you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's oh, time to break up the monotony when we're sitting around doing nothing. And, uh, and like I say, you know, if we have, you know, if we're doing something with kids, it's something to distract the kids while we're setting up equipment and whatnot. So that, uh, exactly. you know, if we're doing, exactly. if, if we're measuring, if we're doing something where we have to measure the activity around a child, uh, it's a way to distract the child from what we're doing. Mm-hmm. No, that's 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 so really really smart, smart, actually. Yeah, not bad for an old dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's just you know, it's it's it's, and again, that lends itself to your your personality. You're, you're a very you have a very unique line of thinking, and I, I would have never thought to do something like that. It's. Uh, it sounds like it would be incredibly effective. Uh, well, we're uh, 
We're hoping so. Um, we actually haven't gotten into the, into a position where we've had to use it yet, but uh, mm-hmm. the, the general hope is is that is the way it's going to work. Right. Well, I haven't had anybody you, tell me no. So. <laughs> you you mentioned that one of your team members is a is a drone pilot. Uh, do you guys use that in investigations? Um, and and how how do how do you make use of that as far as a tool? Because I've never heard of any investigation group really making taking advantage of that technology all right well what we uh what i hope to accomplish with the drone is um of course it, it depends on which investigation that we're we're in the middle of um if we're working on a haunting we can use the drone to uh examine things like chimneys uh wind vents you know at places where we couldn't normally reach without a really long ladder or, or putting somebody in, in danger um we can also do area sweeps with the drone to make sure that there's, you know, nothing going on, you know, within a certain distance of the house or building that we're invested the area that we're investigating. Um, like for uh, uh, for Bigfoot or any other cryptid, um, we can use it to uh, pursue the creature if there's an actual physical sighting because, um, you know. Like I said, I'm 56 years old. There's no way I'm going to run through the woods as fast as Bigfoot will. Um, right. So, or, or, or across the field. So, you know, and, you know, Bigfoot being a natural animal is, of course, he's not going to get tripped up by, you know, clumps of grass and, and stuff like anything else that a human would, you know, fall flat on his face and look like a fool over. Um, so we can send the drone out and we can chase it down and hopefully get a close up view. Um, with the UFOs, um, you know, we, of course we can get, uh, a lot of, a lot of height out of a drone, but, um, I have an experiment that I've been working on that, uh, will combine using a drone, rocket technology and GPS marking uh, along with uh, a 360 camera. So, you know, if we ever get into a hot spot with, uh, with a UFO, hopefully we can, we can catch some close up uh, photography of that. Absolutely. That would, that would be incredible if you could do that. That's what we're, you know, fingers crossed. We're, you know, we're, we're trying to link into a, uh, into a hotspot <clears throat> somewhere down around uh, Fort Myers area if, if we can find one. Where, you know, activity in Florida is kind of haphazard, so it's it's kind of hard to say. Right, right. But it seems like the further south you get in Florida, the more activity that that there is to be seen, for sure. If you can get people to talk about it. <laughs> Exactly. And that's, you know what, that's always the, uh, the first big hurdle that you have to jump over is, is even if you know activities going on, getting folks to open up and talk about it is, is, is huge in itself. Yeah, because otherwise we're just spending, you know, you know, days at a time walking up and down the highway, hoping to find something. You know, it, it always helps exactly. if you have somebody, a witness that can put you in a general direction. Yep. Uh, what now, I wouldn't give for Arnie and Betty Hill once again, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, it, and the great thing about that couple, no matter what you feel about their story, and I know there are some people who who claim that you know, all oh, they they admitted that they were like, I've never seen anything like that. As far as I know, they stood behind their story one hundred percent, and the evidence says that something funky happened to those guys. Um, and yeah, I've, I've never seen anything where they said that they changed their story. No, and, that, never, and that's the thing is I've, I've had people tell me that that they changed their story, but when 
when you ask them for to, for proof, they can never pull up any evidence for it. So it's like, okay, well, then I'm going to uh, keep believing them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so, like, who's that that other fella, uh, Travis? Oh, what what's his name? Oh, gosh. oh brain fart. <laughs> they did the movie about him, Fire in the Sky. Um, yeah, I, I know exactly who you're talking about, and I can't remember his yeah. name. And I don't have my computer in front of me to look it up. I, I would love to sit down and talk with that guy. I, I, I've seen a couple of his his uh, his video presentations where he's where he's been talking to uh, like different MUFON groups and whatnot. So it's like I would love the opportunity just to sit down with him and and, and just personally get his story one on one. Absolutely, absolutely. So speaking of one on one, have you because. One thing I know about truckers is, like I said, you guys see everything. Have you had any personal experiences with UFOs? Anything, anything funky in the sky that you've seen? Not while driving the truck. Um, I, I've seen a number of UFOs in my life. Uh, yeah, starting from, from my very young childhood in New York to uh, uh, when I was a high school student. Um, I've seen, let's see, uh, one, two, three... I've seen three separate UFOs, and I've seen a, a, a formation of seven UFOs in my mm. lifetime. So which wow. one would you like to hear? <laughs> well, um, tell, tell me about the first experience that you had. The first one, um, the first one and the last one are the, are the, two, best, are the two best experiences I ever had. Um, the first well, one, talk about uh, those, I was living... Yeah. Okay. The, the first one is, is I was still at, still living in the farmhouse up in New York, up in Scary, New York. And, uh, we, uh, the, the, um, uh, I was up playing on this, not far off the side of the road. And, uh, of course, New York is slightly, is slightly mountainous area up there. And, uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm off towards the, the, the back corner of the house up by the road. And all of a sudden this black cigar shaped object, came flying through the sky i mean this thing was really cooking um it it could have been a missile except it didn't make any sound it was it and it just it just whooshed right over the top of my head um that's the only way i can accurately describe it is it just went from one end of the sky to the other end of the sky in in, in just seconds and hot on its tail came either i don't know whether they were navy or their air force but two fighter jets came shooting in low altitude right behind this thing and this thing was like out out distance them with no trouble whatsoever and the the object itself didn't make any sound but the jets made a lot of sound and tore up a lot of air as they went overhead I'm, and I'm sure uh, that stuck I'm with sure. me a lot <laughs> that that was another that was another one of those things that got me thinking about things was and was there do you know if there was any any other witnesses? Were there was there anybody that reported anything from that or um, anything that you I ever found that like, came out of it? I was only like maybe about five or six years old. I wasn't very old, so um, I have no idea. And I just I just remember the incident. I've never I, I can't remember the date, the day of the week, or anything like that. So trying to track back and, and find any kind of record on it is like I, I've. I haven't come up with anything, but it's it's just a personal experience that's stuck with me since I was I was you know three feet tall. <laughs> right. 
Well, and the and the thing is, is that you um, you know, that would have been in the late. Well, let's see here. Yeah, that would have been in the early '60s. So that was during uh, yeah, that was towards the tail end of the huge UFO flap that that hit the country, and then you know, Project Blue Book, I think, was going on during that. So even if there was, even if there was a report, it might have been suppressed. Things like that were happening then. Right. Right. Yeah, and uh, and I'm sure that because the the fighter pilot, I'm sure because you know they were fighter pilots, they suppressed that because you know government top top secret government clearance and all of that stuff. Absolutely, they didn't fire on it that I know of. But the I, I the only thing that I saw was them pursuing it. Right. Hmm. That's bizarre. What 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 about what about your last incident that you saw? The last one. Um, all right, that was like in, uh, I would say that was like in 1980, 79, 1980, somewhere around in that neighborhood. And uh, it was around dusk. Um, it, it, the sky was the sky was getting nice and dark, but it wasn't completely blacked out. I mean, you could like barely see the stars. You know, it was, it was still that kind of weird nighttime sky. And uh, our front door of our house faced due east and uh my best friend and i um had just come out come out the front door onto the porch and there was another house directly across the street from us and this object um it, it was circular it was, it was saucer shaped um quietly moved was quietly came up out of the east and i remember it had uh, red white and green lights um alternating and going around the the outer perimeter of the craft, and uh, it, they weren't moving very fast, but they were they were moving in a in a, a steady pace around the the outside of the ship, and uh, you know they just kept alternating in colors, and it moved from east to west, and uh, just kept, I ran into the house to try and grab um, my little uh, uh, 126 camera, and uh, try and get mm-hmm. some pictures of it, and of course there was no film in the camera. So I wasn't able to capture any any photos, but we did get to see it pass over the house and, and disappear over the western horizon. So it, it wasn't moving very fast. It sounds like at least. No, it wasn't. It wasn't moving very fast at all. It was. It was kind of just like being very lackadaisical um, in in its in its voyage there. Um, it was definitely faster than a balloon, but it wasn't um, wasn't as fast as an airplane. Um, right. So it was just it was just kind of just kind of moving across, and I would say probably at the height that it was at, it was it was easily as big as a bus. Um, but you know, of course, you know, it, in the night sky is kind of tar- it's, it's hard saying exactly how high up it was. Um, we couldn't right. we couldn't really right. see the hull of the craft. We could just see the lights going around it. And uh, somebody tried to say it was a plane. That said, like, but planes don't have lights. They go around in a circle. No, no, not 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 any that I've ever seen, at least. And, and helicopters don't have lights mounted on their rotors, so. <laughs> no. And if they did, they they would have moved. It, it would have been spinning faster than what they were going around this craft. Well, that that, that you would have you would have heard it. You, I'm sure you would know what a helicopter sounds like for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, there's no mistake in the helicopter sound. <laughs> and this but, thing made no sound you know, whatsoever. That, you know, that that's what gets me a lot of times with 
with UFO sightings and with Bigfoot sightings, things like that, where um, where they're physical objects that people try to uh, to debunk with simple things. You know, people would say, "Well, it was a it was a balloon, or it was like you said, like a helicopter or something." But you know what those sound like. You know what those look like, and you wouldn't mistake it for if you you know if you saw Bigfoot and somebody said, "Well, it's a bear." We all know what a bear looks like. I don't know any person that would see a giant hominid standing in front of them and think, oh, well, that looks just like a bear. Um, yeah, and a bear, don't, yeah. and a bear don't walk like that. <laughs> no, no, but, but it's, it's, you know, the, it almost, it's almost more unbelievable the, the excuses that people try to throw up with saying, no, you're mistaken, and it's, it's this or that. That's oh, the, yeah. the things they come up with are, are way more unbelievable than what you actually witnessed was you you witnessed a an unidentified flying object. Now, whether it was alien, whether it was transdimensional, whether it was a secret government project that we don't know about, that doesn't matter. You witnessed a UFO. Right. And it, right. that's it was, that's the simplest explanation. Unidentified flying object. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I mean, do do you have any theories on that, or do you what do you have any like personal theories on UFOs, or what you think that they are, or or is that something um, that, that you haven't gotten enough information on to form anything? Well, like, like I say, I'm a I, I'm a skeptic about everything until you know I can get my hands on it. But at the same time, mm-hmm. um, the universe is entirely too big to believe that we're the only thing alive, we're the only thing that travels right. in space, and we're the only intelligent being. It's like, yeah, that that's pretty arrogant for us to even assume that we're the only ones that are capable of, of uh, interplanetary flight. Um, and even that, we're not all that successful at it. We've only got as far as the moon so far. So, <laughs> right. If if you if you believe that the government's actually gotten us to the moon, <laughs> which <laughs> well, which that, I, that I, I kind of I kind of do, <laughs> but. It, you know, I was actually just talking to my, my wife about this the other day. You know, the whole, to me, the whole purpose of the of existence of the universe is to have life. Because otherwise, you know, if you have uh, this wonderful creation that we live in and you don't have life to observe it, it might as well not even exist. So to, to me, it's 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 not only arrogant, it's pointless to say, well, we're the only life out there, you know. Of course, we don't have any proof of it, but numbers are are numbers, you know. And right. that's and so, I would hate to think that oh, we're just a happy accident. Well, exactly, and I and I don't, you know, my personal belief is that we're not an accident at all. Uh, but no. you know, there's nothing there's nothing in my belief system that discredits the existence of other life at all. You know, we we don't no. we don't know. What what we don't know so far outweighs what we do know that it would be insanely arrogant to to make a definitive statement of well we're the only folks out there. Right. Well, and and on our on our own planet ourselves, I mean, we're we're constantly discovering life forms that we didn't know existed. Um, We're discovering life forms that we thought were extinct. Um, The coelacanth is a perfect example. It's like everybody thought that thing was gone until somebody hooked it in Africa one time. Um, Yep. So it's, it's it's there's no possible way that we're the only intelligent life in the entire galaxy. 
Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it's and and again, we don't we don't know until we have our hands on one of these on one of these craft. And you know, I'm not saying we haven't gotten it, but until somebody has their hands on one of these craft and actually examines what's going on with it in the public eye, we're never gonna have any answers. Right. So I'm always out to catch one. <laughs> Absolutely, and so and, and until that until that happens, all we have to go on are are witnesses, are people who who come out and say this is what I experienced. And again, my mindset is ninety percent of the time, most folks are facing ridicule for coming out. So why would they do that and and fake it? You know, and I and I know there are people who who commit fakes and frauds and things like that, but to me, it's they're so obvious that it's not even worth looking at. the The folks that are really sincere with what they report are the ones that I you have to look at and say, why Why would they fake this? Why would they go through the effort and the ridicule of saying something happened that didn't happen? Well, I I look at it two ways. Um, you know, it's, you you have to look at them. Are they are they doing it for fame and fortune, or are they doing it because they have something's on their conscience? Um, like the same thing with like, uh, you know, cause I said, you know, I spent a number of years on a carnival on a circus. I've seen a lot of, uh, flim flam artists and, and, and con men and women, you know, pulling all kinds of interesting things. And that's why, um, anytime I see somebody that, that claims to be a psychic and give you a reading like over the phone or whatever, I always kind of, um, you know, roll my eyes a little bit and, and uh, grunt my throat because, um, it's like they're doing it for money. They're they're not doing it to benefit mm-hmm. anybody, and uh, they're well to benefit their own pocket. So it's like yeah, um, and at the same time, it's like um, I, I have one golden rule when anybody asks me if they if they should go see a psychic, and I always tell them this is if you're going to see a psychic, um, you have to go see somebody who doesn't know you, somebody who has no absolutely no intimate knowledge about you whatsoever, and you can't give anything up. Um, yes. because they, they, yeah. you know, the, the scam artists always pull the same thing and I'm sure you've seen it. You've seen the guys on the TV show where they, they're standing in front of the crowd and they point off to the left and they're like, I'm getting a letter M over here. And then somebody gets all excited and jumps up and says, Oh, that must be my aunt Marie. You know? And then from there, it just kind of snowballs. Yeah. I, I, I think they did an entire <laughs> South Park episode on, on that, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and, right. and those, those and people... Like, those people absolutely infuriate me. Right. And there's, there's some really gifted individuals in, and, and, and I won't take anything away from them that, that they're truly gifted and they can, they have some kind of connection with what we can't see. And, and, and I don't want to take anything away from them, but the, uh, the frauds that are out there, they, uh, they infuriate me to no end. And, you know, the people that make, uh, you know, a million dollars a year off of, you know, people calling in for a, a, spe- a special psychic reading. It's like, you know, you're not doing it to benefit the person. You're, benefit- you're benefiting your wallet. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. It's just, you know, it, it, it doesn't help what folks like you are trying to do when you have people out there that are obvious frauds that are discrediting everything in the community, because, because folks that are casual observers lump all of that together. 
They don't they don't sit yep. here and sift through and yep. say, well, this person's legitimate, this person's an obvious fake. No, they just say it's, it's all one one thing. Well, since the age of Internet Explorer, they they lump everything together because it, it feeds into them on a on a full time twenty four hour basis. So there's no um, human beings have gotten lazy um, when it comes to information. They just take whatever is fed to them and they, and they don't sift through it anymore like they used to. You know, like when we used to sit yeah. down, we actually used to have to read a book to find our information. We had to go into the newspaper. We had, well, that's back when we had reporters that were reporters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. It's the crutch of the modern age, is what is what it is. Yeah, un- unfortunately, and I mean, it's it's a double edged sword. You know, it, it's great that we have all this information and all this communication at our fingertips. But like you said, at the same time, it makes people mentally lazy, and they they don't yeah. have to work for what they're what what they're getting in their head. And 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 uh, you know, going back to the site, that's one of the reasons why I like having Jennifer on my team because Jennifer does not do readings for money. Um, when she sits down to give somebody a tarot reading, um, if they request it, mm-hmm. she does it because they request it. She doesn't get paid for it. Um, she doesn't get any recognition for it. She just does it to help the person. And, uh, so that's why she has a little higher standing in my, in my, in my personal viewpoint than other psychics do, because, you know, she does it. It's like my great grandmother with her, her, uh, cauldron in, in her back room. She did it to help people. She didn't do it to get rich. She didn't do it to make exactly. money. Nobody, paid her. You know, they, I mean, they would bring her like a chicken dinner or whatever. Um, but that was, you know. She never got paid. Uh, I got to hold on a second. Sure. My electronic logbook is uh, reading the uh, radio signal from my uh, my tether, <laughs> and it's trying to adjust itself. <laughs> oh lordy! Uh, it doesn't sound comfortable. I don't even I don't even know what you're talking about, but it doesn't sound comfortable. Well, I have my I have my computer tethered into my phone so that I can be on the internet with you. And oh, okay. because it's basically, basically Wi-Fi connection, the electronic logbook is reading the signal and it's trying to adjust its volume and, and everything on its own by the, the pulse oh. of the signals coming. Okay. So, I follow, I follow little, it like, now. One of those little electronic tricks that, uh, that uh, gets everybody thinking it's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. So... <laughs> You know, you've you've talked a lot about about debunking, uh, which I, I'm I'm in 100% agreement with you. I think the first key to being an investigator is is to approach everything with a skeptical eye. You can you can believe 100% in the existence of things, but when examining evidence and examining cases, you always need to go in with a skeptical eye. Um, absolutely, absolutely, and I. And I know you've you've conducted yourself that way on investigations. What 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 would you say was your best episode where you had to where you were debunking something? Oh, this because is I know a lot of a lot of our listeners <laughs> a, a lot of our listeners. Um, you know, we share a lot of 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 personal accounts, ghost stories, things like that, and we don't debunk right. them. You know, when I tell the stories because I don't have the information to, I do try to give them some answers and some advice, things they want to look at just based on my experience as an investigator. But right. a lot of folks that listen to us are investigators themselves. And I think it would be interesting to hear about uh, D- 
debunking that from somebody who's been doing this as long as you have? <laughs> well, uh, my best one is absolutely great. Um, I was probably, uh, I would say maybe 17 years old and, uh, there was an urban legend, uh, back, uh, back in Iowa about the, uh, the lady in white and, uh, the, the way that the, the, the legend went is uh, on certain nights under the full moon, the lady in white would walk across the dam at this, uh, this uh, campground lake. And uh, I thought that was just like too cool. I had to, I had to see it. So um, it just happened to be that uh, our, our family was camping out that weekend in that, in that specific cap, uh, campground. Um, and uh, so and luck would have it, it was a full moon that night. And so we went to the lake. We went to, to the edge where everybody was supposed to be able to see this lady in white. And um, we're all standing there. And, of course, my foster brother being the uh, the, the, the pain in the, the rear that he always is, I'm standing there intently watching, waiting for the lady in white to appear. And, of course, he scares the bejesus out of me. And uh, <laughs> everybody got a good laugh at it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I almost got wet, not just from falling in the lake, but from... Um, you know, just, uh, having too much soda that day. (laughs) (laughs) That's what, that's what brothers Uh, are for. That's what, that's their entire purpose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I I probably should have beat, beat him within an inch of his life, but I I just kind of let it go. Everybody laughed and had a good time at it. But, uh, (laughs) as we're standing there after this is all over and it it was probably getting to be like one o'clock. You know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., somewhere in that neighborhood. It was getting pretty late. And uh, sure enough, uh, this white, hazy figure shows up on one end of the dam and starts making a very slow progress across the waterway, right? So I'm standing there, and I'm watching watching the figure make its movement, and it's like, well, I suppose it could be confused as a lady in white, but it was, it was pretty much just a formless blob, right? And mm-hmm. what are what are two things that that you always see with with a waterfall? Well, you see a mist, right? And you see reflection yeah, off of the water. Absolutely, yes. All right. So what was happening is because the the dam would cycle, and it would it would uh, it would raise, you know, because it, it it's some kind of a maintenance thing where it would the different parts of the dam would go up and down and it would move across and it would start at one end and it would go to the other. And of course the full moon would reflect off of the water at the edge of the dam up into the mist and it would form a uh, conical shape. Right. And then of course, as the dam is doing its adjustment, the uh, shape would move across the water because the, the, the moonlight was hitting the mist in a different spot because the water levels were going up and down. So the lady uh, in white was a complete. Uh, <laughs> that's you know what that's that's incredible that um you know that's that's a one hundred percent natural explanation for something that people have witnessed and they legitimately witnessed it, but you have a legitimate explanation without you know saying it's swamp gas or something like that. Right. Uh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. And, it, wow. it, you know, and of course, because it had to be a full moon in order to get the reflection off of that edge of the water into the mist, 
from the from the dam, and of course then the, the cycling of the the, the water level. That's so incredible. It was, neat. it was neat. Wow! Yeah. Well, I applaud you for that, sir. That was that was that's that's. <laughs> That's literally that's the kind of debunking that you want to see is you want to you want to see somebody try to figure out and the simplest explanation possible. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes the right. simplest explanation is that it's a ghost. Other times, hey, we've got this going on. And, and obviously that's what was happening. That's mm -hmm. incredible. <laughs> and another that's another debunk that I have. It's not quite it's not quite as exciting, but another debunk that I had is um, a house that I was living in with a, with a girlfriend uh, a number of years ago. In the middle of the night, we would hear this thumping on the bedroom wall. It sounded like somebody slapping mm -hmm. their hand up against the wall. And uh, it took a little while to figure it out. We ran, you know, I ran a couple of uh, um, audio recorders during the night to try and pick up on what was going on. And we picked up, it was kind of interesting that we picked up this, uh, was sounded like a screen door opening and closing, uh, hmm. and along with thumping hmm. sound, right? So, come to find out, uh, well, it took a little while to figure it out, but the, the the screen door sound that we were picking up on the audio recorder was actually the uh, the DVD player in her computer uh, winding up and then winding back down while it was playing the movie overnight. Really? Yep. It sounds. It, it, if you record it. If you set a record right and you record it and you run a DVD, you run a, a movie in the DVD player, it sounds just like a screen door opening and closing. It's, it's really bizarre sounding. And the, uh, yeah. the, slapping, the slapping of the wall sound was um, caused by, because in Florida, most all the houses are, are built out of concrete block. Mm -hmm. And so in, on the inside of the house, in order to hang the sheetrock, they nail um, one by two furring strips up well what had happened is um because the the nails that they use don't always grab tight into the concrete um the mm -hmm. heat of the day would warm up the concrete and the boards would sit flat and in the night they would cool and contract and they would pop the, the nail out of the concrete and it would cause the popping sound interesting yep and this and see there's that's something that you could you could replicate you could you could sit here and again it's not like yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen these these shows where they try to um, figure out if, if like there's one out there that they take like YouTube videos and they try to figure out whether it's real or not, and they go to extreme lengths to try to fake something, and then they they say, well, this is a fake because they can replicate it, but it's you know the the lengths that they go to, no no sane person would go to, but what your your explanation with that is, it's simple. It's Hey, this is exactly mm -hmm. what's happening. This is this is an environmental cause, and it's it's something that it's something that unless you knew about the construction methods of those homes, you would you would never think about too. Right. And building houses down there in Florida for a few years, I kind of figured out what was going on. <laughs> right. Well, that's the same thing with me. I I used to uh, work on century homes on remodels, and because of that, I know. I know about old houses. I know about the sounds that you can expect and I know how they react to weather and things like that, which helped me helps me out a lot whenever I'm doing investigations. So mm -hmm. you know, real world experience steps in every once in a while, which is nice. It definitely definitely helps to have a construction background if you're if you're researching haunted houses. 
No, no, absolutely, absolutely. And there's that's what I try to tell a lot of folks when they're getting into um into doing investigations is try to find somebody that's got some kind of a a construction background because it, it it will it will solve a lot of your problems it will they will debunk a lot of your stuff just on a you know just on basic knowledge that that stuff that and that's not downing anybody who doesn't have that knowledge but it's you know it's it is what it is it's it's, it's one more tool to have in your tool bag exactly exactly and as an investigator you can never have too many tools no, no, that and that's and that's one thing that I, I, I tell a lot of folks is that you know you talk about tools, it, it kind of gets me into thinking about uh viewpoints and you know, people some people have a very narrow view of of how things are. And if you if you keep to a very narrow view of stuff, you're gonna miss a lot of explanations. And so it's it's yes. best to keep your mind open and, and to bring in as many as many viewpoints as you possibly can, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to be a skeptic, but at the same time, you have to be open to um, possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just because a possibility doesn't necessarily fit your worldview doesn't mean that that explanation or that possibility isn't legitimate. Right. So, like, if and it's, um, also, it's, not, it's also not the same answer, you know, not everybody has the same answer for everything, so... And that's part of building the science is, you know, everybody has a different theory. Um, some of them we can, you know, we'll eventually uh, disprove and then others we'll still have to work upon until we actually come up with some solid answers. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So like if you have somebody who, you know, there there's a couple different views of how hauntings are caused and some people are very adamant about a haunting is only caused by the disembodied spirit of somebody who has passed on, and that's the only way that you can you can have a haunting. And other people are very adamant about a haunting is an etching on space time or an etching on their surroundings, kind of like watching a videotape, you know. And if you only believe in one of those two theories, and that's not the only two theories out there, but if you only believe in one of those two theories, you're going to run into a lot of things that you cannot explain. Because they don't fit into your into your specific viewpoint, right? Yeah, you 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 bought, you you uh, paint yourself into a corner, and you've got no way to get out because you won't you can't accept something being. And and I run into a lot of problems with with people on that because, um, uh, and and it's not to knock anybody, but uh, so many people are, are have a Christian uh, background or Christian point of view, and so they're locked mm -hmm. on. This specific, you know, it can only be this way because this is what my pastor told me from the church and he read it from the Bible. So it's got to be true. And it's like, well, unfortunately, I don't necessarily believe that. And uh, right. so, I, it, you know, there, you know, there's a there's a grind there every once in a while. And, and then I got to sit down. I got to slowly explain my point of view It's like I don't necessarily believe the same way. It's like. Um, yeah, you know, I you know residual hauntings. Yes, that you know you can have this constantly repeating or whatever. But at the same time, I don't think that uh, when you're dead, you go straight to heaven. Um, my my religious views don't cover that. It's like uh, I look at uh, the the next life as like being a half a step to the right of where we are right now. That's where we're you know, and we get the every once in a while we get the conflict where you know. 
it, because it's not a complete separation, we still have we still had that rubbing against that fuzzy half step over. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're and and I'm trying to make contact with that half step over there to, you know, you know, to prove my theory. <laughs> right. So what? So what you're you're talking about is is where if I kind of follow your train of thought is, is it's almost like an um, interdimensional shift and where, where the two planes meet, there might be a thin spot and you can, you can have a little bit of overlap there possibly. Yeah. Kind of like the, the, the whole veil theory that, that the people talk about, um, which, yeah. And, and I try not to give too much credit to it because I have, there's so many people out there to say, well, we help the, the spirits pass over. Or we help them move on. It's like, well, no, because to say that you had them, you helped them cross over, you helped them move on, means that you're ending their existence. And you know, their existence doesn't end just because they moved that half step over into the. You know, we we share the same world. They just share it in a different point of view than we do. Right. Um, where we we're still corporal and everything is still matter. Um, for them, it's like it's they don't have to deal with the, the environmental changes and the, and the pollution and everything else. They, they've moved on, you know, they, they've stepped off into the, into a different reality, I guess is probably the easiest way to say it. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, if you, if you think about it, you know, people say that you, you exist inside of your brain, but that's not actually true, you know, because if, if I just existed inside of my brain, I would, I would not be able to, have empathy for people i would just be a, a set of chemical reactions so there's got to be some kind of energy that comprises me that i can't really measure and i can't really say it's in one spot or another so when my body when my physical body passes on you know the laws of thermodynamics say that that energy is not destroyed it's got to go somewhere and it's got to right. take some kind of form and my consciousness you know, whether I'm a Christian or whether I'm not a Christian, I happen to be a Christian, but it, you know, it's still what I think of as my soul, as my consciousness has to go somewhere. And we don't, you know, despite whether you believe scriptures or not, none of us really know for a fact what happens after that physical body goes on, you know, no. but, but we do know that the energy has to go somewhere, has to exist in some form. Right. It just, it does, energy doesn't end. Energy energy transforms and it moves, but it doesn't end. Absolutely. So, so what do you, what do you think about, um, about negative entities then about demons and things like that? Do you feel like they are, um, outside of that? Or do you feel like that that's just bad people or, or what, what are your viewpoints on that? Right. Um, well, I, I get into some really serious, <laughs> really serious arguments with uh, with with uh, religious leaders on this. Um, I believe that there are there are definitely evil entities. All right, there there are things out there that mean absolutely uh, no good to anything, anything or anybody. Um, but at the same time, I believe that they're created by the human. Um, you know, because we have absolutely some absolutely evil human beings that have existed and still exist today that we just haven't caught up with. Um, and because people don't, you know, 
people don't end. The energy doesn't end. The life spark doesn't end. It, it just moves that half step over. Um, they still exist. You know, th there's, um, cause I don't believe in the concept of heaven and hell. All right. That's right. But, uh, the, uh, I get into the big argument about demonology and, uh, because it's, uh, my viewpoint. Okay. Um, uh, my belief system is, uh, demons are a construct of the Holy Roman church. Um, where if you go back into even older uh, religious history, you go back like uh, uh, Jewish history, Jewish religious history, demons are considered, they're not really considered evil entities, they're considered lost souls. Um, and I, I see that, and, and like with the, with the possession thing, it's a lost soul that doesn't know that it's not supposed to be there anymore, so it's trying to take residence up in another person's body, and of course you have the conflict. Uh, because only one can exist within a human form at a time. Uh, right. And uh, if you go through and you ever read any of the ancient scripts about um, some of the high, the descriptions of the hierarchy angels, and those dudes, I mean, and they're talking about the good guys, those dudes are scary sounding. I mean, you've got creatures there with, you know, wings for ears, wings for eyes, and wings over their mouth. It's like, you know, and that's considered the good guy. What do you, con you know, why are you considering something else a demon? And, uh, and then of course, then I get the, the whole thing where, um, they, they say that they're fallen angels and it's like, but according to the scriptures and the old tech and the old texts and everything else, um, the angels that were supposedly cast out were, you know, they lived among humans. They loved, they loved humans. They married humans and they had children with humans. So it's like, how can, you know, something that loves a human being, you know, and it's supposed to be pure, it's, it's supposed to be a, cure, a creature of pure love. How is it going to turn into this hateful, evil entity? Interesting. And I don't, I don't, I don't have any refutation against that. I mean, it's, again, I, I don't know for sure. Um, but nothing that you said would directly that would that would not alter my worldview. That would I can see how that could fit in because the the um you know let's take for granted that a demon is a fallen angel, for example. That okay. just because that just because that angel is fallen doesn't mean that it loses its nature as an angel. If an angel's a being of pure good and pure light, just because it did one thing wrong doesn't corrupt the entire thing. Right. But there weren't but so many of them, and there's a lot of negative entities out there, more so than there would be the specific uh, fallen angels. So, so they've got to be created out of something. And like, like you said, we, you know, we, you you got bad people, you got bad intentions everywhere. That energy has to go somewhere, just like everything else. And it, right, it, it could be a creative energy. It could be something that's creating negative things, and it could be negative people you know there there are like i said no, nothing that you said contradicts anything that i that i would personally believe i mean that's mm. you know and it's it's well thought out and it's certainly i, I don't know why you would necessarily get arguments from folks with that <laughs> it just seems, well, seems bizarre <laughs> that somebody would argue with you about that 
Well, I actually had an interesting uh, experience that uh, that comes that, that brings that out. Um, years ago, uh, when I was a teenager, I was I was very much a Christian. I was I was very much a Bible thumping little Christian boy. And uh, when uh, when I was in the Air Force, of course, I was in my twenties by that time. Um, when I was in the Air Force and I was down in Texas, um, I got exposed to a couple of guys that were, uh, that were, well, they explained it to me. They called me, they, they told me it was, it was called a Holy ghost burn. And, uh, and I, I explained my, I, when I went back home and it was, a an experience that, uh, it's not really easy to talk about. It, it's very personal. It's very, um, um, you know, what, what was the best way to say it? it's, it, it would, if it, happens to anybody it would alter your it alter your perception on a lot of things and uh mm-hmm. i went i when i went back to uh when i went back to iowa falls i went and i approached uh, uh, a gentleman who was uh he was uh for me he was he was a religious icon he was he was somebody i looked up to and, and explained a lot of things to me and when i when i told him what had happened what had happened to me and and, and um asked him for answers he uh, looked me in the face and he says, "Demon possessed," turned his back on me and walked away. And uh, really, yes. And uh, uh, from that moment on, I, I've, I've never stepped foot in, in a Christian church unless I actually absolutely had to. Um, but I did a lot of um, very deep um, religious research because it. it uh, uh, it uh, it really twisted my my mind and my spirit with what happened and, and the way that uh, the way that I was treated um, afterwards and the journey that I went on brought me to this conclusion about um, about demons and angels and evil entities and 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 uh, our place in the uh, grand scheme of things. So it. it it definitely kind of warped me a little bit. Well, I mean, you, you can use the word warped, or you can use the word enlightened you a little bit. I mean, it's that, <laughs> well, that yeah. to me, for, first off, I would never, I can't believe you that that was the reaction that you got. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's horrifying that, that was, somebody that, right. But it, the, the thing that somebody would, would just jump to that conclusion. I mean, that's just, I don't want to judge anybody. I don't want to say, well, the person's crazy or whatever, but that's, that's just, that's not the first, that would not be my response. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, you know, well, and, and, I, and I know a lot of surprising response. Let me tell you that. Yeah. I, and I, and I know a lot of, of folks that from different religious backgrounds that are leaders in their community. And I, I'm happy to say that that's not the majority viewpoint. It would you know most most folks would sit down with you and just have a conversation with it, uh, even if they had that judgment in their head, they wouldn't treat mm-hmm. the other person like that necessarily. Right. So, um, because because that that can that can skew your entire worldview for the rest of your life. And fortunately, with you, it it set you on a path to educating yourself and to learning as much about all of this is going on as you possibly could. You yeah, know, it, it, gave it, me a, it, it gave me a mission to, to figure out 
the way I looked at it is I either had to I either had to find out or um, my life meant nothing. So it's like I had to I actually had to come to a, a conclusion that felt right with my mind and with my heart um, and my soul to 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 to, to put it blunt, bluntly. Um, yeah. To deal with yeah. with what happened. Well, and I and I wonder how many people. Not not with this specific person, but how many people have had experiences like that that have just given up at, right after that? Because it, especially when you're younger, that can mm-hmm. that influences you so much, and that can have such a uh, terrifying effect on you that I mean, it it just it scars you. I'm sorry, it just scars you. Unfortunately, yeah, it does. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't think about um, the effect that they have on others when they when they react that way. And that, and that's why I strive so much to have an open mind about everything that's going on. Even if I don't agree, I still have an open mind to explore it and see if I can either prove or disprove it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Huh. Well, dude, we got, we got kind of deep there for a second. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right, we were laughing a few minutes ago. <laughs> so, um, so what's what what do you guys have going on in the future? What's the what's what does um what does the next little bit of your journey look like for you and your team coming up? Um well um uh, like I say right now we're uh, most of everything we're doing is solo work of mine. We're um, bouncing around, hitting different spots, um, trying to hook up with different teams, um, recording what's going on with them. And uh we are uh we're hoping to uh to uh, start up a uh, a video series and uh, and, and produce it and uh, hopefully get a little bit of a following on that uh, with the different things that we're doing and in, in our different techniques and to show off um, any kind of evidence that we happen to, to pick up and, and can uh, validate. So as I travel around, you know, I, I'm look I'm always looking for a team that you know that um, doesn't mind to have a tag along, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I carry yeah. my I carry my own equipment in the truck, so I'm always I'm always pretty much ready to go. I mean, of course, I got to throw everything on the charger right now, but uh, that's pretty much our biggest thing. Is we're just trying to get, we're 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 hoping to get like a nice video series going, pick up some sponsors maybe. Because I don't think I'm going to win you guys the lottery. That all on. <laughs> well, you know that would that would help us all <laughs> if we could do that. <laughs> what um. Are, are you guys uh, with your video series? Are you doing that on Facebook? You doing that on YouTube, or how how are you producing that? Um, right now, I think we're we're mostly looking at uh, at YouTube and Facebook. Um, it's like it's, everything is still right in the beginning stages. Um, so we're still still sorting still sorting a lot of it out. You know, figuring out the the, the legal aspects that we the, and loopholes that we have to jump through. Uh, to put a production company together and, and make sure that we're not, you know, we don't get in trouble with the IRS and, and all that good stuff. Right. Yeah. You always got to make sure you're square with the government, even even when it's shut down. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, the IRS is never shut down, no matter what they tell you. No, that's the whole thing. They tell me the government shut down, but I keep seeing taxes go out of my check. So somebody somewhere is working. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I wish my grandfather well, was still it, alive because he used to audit the IRS. <laughs> oh, really? 
used he used to audit the IRS, so I could you know this day and age he'd be real handy right now. <laughs> I bet he would, man. Well, well, Ed, it has been absolutely an honest pleasure talking to you, man. This has been a great conversation, and I'm so glad we connected. Um, tell tell the folks out there real quick what um how they can get in touch with you uh, as far as if they, uh, you know, I don't know if we have folks that would need, you know, your services as far as investigations in the Florida area or if maybe teams and uh, that are looking for an extra investigator are looking uh, to hook up with you if you happen to be in their area. What? How, how do folks get in touch with you? Okay, well, um, the name of our team is, well, I pretty much follow everything. It is Over the Road Paranormal. Um, you know, you can uh, you can catch me on Twitter at at, uh, at OTR Paranormal. The, the team's phone number is uh, 941-500-4655. And uh, we have Facebook, which is Over the Road Paranormal. And um, our email address is uh, otrparanormal at gmail.com. Very simple. You can't get any simpler than that. I, I like that when you have one name for everything instead of, well, yeah. you know, if you go here, look for us under this. And then, no, just the same thing over and over and over again. It's way everything. simpler. I, I, I tried to keep it real simple so nobody can miss us or confuse us with anybody else. <laughs> I I try to keep it simple because I'm the one who's going to get confused. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. and, we'll, and what we'll do is we'll put – um. If you guys want to get in touch with Ed, we'll also put the stuff, uh, all of his information in the show notes. So you guys check that stuff out for sure. But, but Ed, I, again, I appreciate you you hanging out with us for a little while tonight, man. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It's I been enjoyed an, myself. Well, it's 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 been a lot of fun on my end, man. I I I don't know when the last time I laughed this hard during a conversation was. It it's yeah, you got a lot of neat <laughs> experience. And, and definitely, I, I don't want you to be a stranger. If you ever want to be on again, just let me know, man. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to be on again. Absolutely. And also, by the way, if you're up in the Cleveland area and you want to just meet or something, give me a holler. We will we will hook up, dude, because you, you're a neat guy, and I'd, I'd love to just hang out with you. I was just up there. Now. I mean, uh, I, uh, I run loads up to Cullen uh, um, all the time. Oh really? Well, yeah, that's not that's not that far from me. So let, yeah, let me know the next time you're up here. Right, yep. I will do that. Well, yep. Well, hey Ed, uh, it has been awesome. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and let you go because I know you you've got to rest up. You're on the road again tomorrow, right? Yep. Sure. Yep. I'm uh, running in Dallas tomorrow. So. Oh boy. Well, let let the Cowboys <laughs> fans know that we're we're feeling for them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a lifelong Jets fan, so I don't feel I don't feel sorry for Cowboys at all. <laughs> no, I bet you I bet you don't. You guys you guys just picked up a, a new head coach from from Miami too. I don't know what's going on with that. The guy couldn't succeed in Miami, so he got shipped off to the Jets. But I I don't know what's going on with my team there. It's like it's every time they seem to get close, they wind up changing something and is. Start all over again. So, <laughs> exactly. Well, you guys, I don't know that you now guys. There's, there's, ever there's a paranormal you. investigation. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, if Namath wasn't with us, 
if Namath wasn't with us anymore, I'd say it's the ghost of Namath messing you guys up, but he's still hanging around. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood Joe, boy, he was he was the one that took us there though. Yeah, he was he was a good one. He was a good one. Yeah. He's he's a hard act to follow though, that's for sure. Yeah, that's probably the pro- that's probably his problem. Is that they're still trying to live up to his his act there. Yeah, yeah, good. Maybe good we'll luck have to buy that. him all pantyhose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Okay, Ed. Well, I'm gonna let you go, buddy. You you have a great night, All man. Right. All right, you Thanks. too. You we'll have we'll a good talk night. to you later. Too, buddy. All right, talk stay warm up there. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna try to. 23 degrees outside. I'm, I'm gonna try to stay indoors. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that don't blame okay. you at all. Yeah. All right, have a good night. Well, hey, you too, Ed. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Okay. Well, guys, that's where we're going to end our conversation with Ed. Uh, I told you guys it was a, um, a unique conversation, and Ed is definitely a unique guy. And I hope you guys try to catch up with him and follow him either on Facebook or Twitter or both. Uh, Ed gave us all of his contact information, and we're going to put those in the show notes. So you guys definitely check Ed out and give him a follow and a like and tell him that you heard about him on True Paranormal, the podcast. Also, as you guys know, we have been doing our best every week to promote other podcasts, guys, that are long-established podcasts as well as some new and -and up-and-coming podcasts and things that I feel like you guys would be interested in, mainly because I'm interested in them. And if you're a fan of this show, chances are if I'm interested in it, you probably will be as well. Uh, One thing that we did was a couple weeks ago we did a promo spot for a podcast that i really enjoyed called conspiracy asylum and these guys are great um they have not been around for years and years and years but they have definitely established a great following and i'm a real fan of this podcast it is funny it is down to earth um it is rough and raw which a lot of times if you're listening to podcasts that's what you're looking for if you want it super polished radio broadcast things like that you would turn on talk radio uh the great thing about podcasts is a lot of times it's like sitting down with somebody in their living room and having a conversation with them i think that's part of the joy of listening to podcasts and i bet there's a lot of folks out there that feel the same way Well, if you do, this is definitely the podcast for you guys. Um, DJ and Kimberly do a great job with Conspiracy Asylum, and they do a great job of not only presenting the information that they have on their podcast, which they do a good job with for sure, but also they present it in a way that is not dry, is not like reading a history book is definitely like just having a conversation with folks that you would have in your living room about the topic that they're talking about, whether it's paranormal or whether it's uh, assassinations or whether it's conspiracy theories or um, whatever they happen to be talking about. It's definitely going to be something interesting. At any rate, I said all that to say this. They sent us a new promo and we were going to do a promo with them anyway uh, whether they sent us one or not just because those guys have really shown us a lot of love lately and we want it to return the favor and like I said I'm genuinely a big fan of the podcast so I definitely want to promote these guys as 
often as I can without making it overbearing and just pushing it down your guys' throats. But they did send us a new promo. I wanted to share that with you guys because it's a really great promo. Um, be sure to check them out. And I will, again, put their contact information in our show notes. So here you guys go. The promo for Conspiracy Asylum. You are now locked in the Conspiracy Asylum. This is DJ Schwartz. Join myself and my beautiful girlfriend, Kim, as we lead you through the asylum. If you're easily offended, this may not be for you. We take a lighthearted approach to dark subjects, such as the paranormal, true crime, serial killers, the occult, UFOs, alien abduction, conspiracy theories, and many other dark subjects. Things in the asylum may frighten you, confuse you, make you laugh, make you cry, make you question everything around you. So join us. Conspiracy Asylum. You can find us on any podcasting app. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Patreon. We're everywhere. TheConspiracyAsylum at gmail.com. Conspiracy Asylum. Your straitjacket and padded cell awaits. So there you guys go. Conspiracy Asylum. Check them out. Uh, whatever venues you happen to be listening to podcasts on. If you're listening to us on like Podcast Addict or uh, Podster or Google Play or however you guys listen to us, chances are if you search for Conspiracy Asylum, as you heard DJ say, they're kind of everywhere. So you can definitely find them. Just look up Conspiracy Asylum. And on that note, if you're listening to us on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating and a review if you get a moment. Uh, even just a rating, just uh, hit the stars on there. That definitely helps us out and bumps us up in the ratings with iTunes, which gives us a little more visibility, which is always a nice thing. And we appreciate that. And especially the guys who do the reviews, uh, the feedback is awesome. We love hearing that. Uh, if you do want to give feedback and you don't necessarily want to do it on iTunes, we're also on Twitter and we're on Facebook at True Paranormal the podcast. Obviously, give us a like, and that's also a great place where if you want to share one of your experiences or one of your stories, you can do that. Just uh, hit that message us button or the email button, or just email it directly at True Paranormal Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll be glad to share your story with the rest of the world. We've had some really great submissions lately, and I definitely want to get back into the groove of sharing out those stories. So you guys keep sending them, and we're going to keep sharing them. That being said, this is Leo Rizzuti. I would like to thank you guys for joining us this week and every week for that matter. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. <laughs>